Nicole, what is your favorite musical performance, debut acting performance in a musical usually by an American Idol singer? <laughs> that is so, such a precise question. And there's so I many would... to choose from. We have Justin and Kelly. Yeah. We have both Justin Guarino from and Justin Kelly to Kelly. The oh, you're right. I'm sorry. From Justin to Kelly. Yes. And uh, then that's it. No, um, no, I would have, have to say Girls. Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Dream Girls. Girls. Yeah. 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 Let me finish. Uh, Jennifer Hudson in Dream Girls is by far and away, I think. I mean, she won the Oscar for it, for Pete's sake. She did win the Oscar. Yes. And I don't think there's been any. Uh, has Clay Aiken made any, any debuts on screen? No. no he has was Jordan Sparks? Rock. Has Ruben Stuttered? Oh, I feel like Jordan Sparks may have been in a Lifetime movie. Hmm. Okay. It should qualify for the Oscar, in my opinion. True. The only one who went real full pop star was Carrie Underwood. Has she been in a movie? I don't think so. I can't name one movie with Carrie Underwood in it. So that's the thing. Maybe not that we know, but it could be like a Lifetime. It could be like a Hallmark movie. True. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. Has Carrie Underwood ever been in a movie wow we're asking oh my god this. has she has she wait it seems like no it seems like maybe her music has been oh she was in how i met your mother as herself was it the voyager of the dawn treader Okay, see, now we're just rambling on Carrie Underwood. See, this is what I was saying. <laughs> what are we even talking about and anymore? We are talking about great American <laughs> idols turned actors because this week we have uh, a biggie. Yeah, this is a quite a depressing and intense, but quite the start to the new year of 2024 because we're talking about a really huge American piece of literature and now movies and uh, theater, technically. You know, this this tackles all the bases, truly. We're talking about... The Color Purple, the mm-hmm. 1985 Steven Spielberg movie, and the new 2023 musical that's an adaptation of the Broadway musical from 2015, all of which come from Alice Walker's 1982 novel. So yeah, uh, you know, get your tissue box because this is going to be a sad one, but it's going to be worth it at the end. I promise. I'm Nicole. And I'm Rolando. And I'm Eddie Z. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast about unoriginality. So over the weekend, we the three of us met up and we saw The Color Purple, the new one, in theaters together. When was the last time we did that? I Maybe can't remember. With the movies. Uh, I don't remember what, either. I, was it I do, before there the were pandemic? Two no, I think it was... No, we did something after the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe for the podcast, maybe it was just a movie that we just saw. No, no, no. It was a movie for the podcast because Nicole, I was sitting next to Nicole. She brought her notebook. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so she had her she I had her notebook. Didn't bring my notebook this time, and I was so upset. <laughs> and so she was, she was already taking notes for the first ten minutes of the movie. She was taking notes, and uh, and I remember that I snuck in a bag of popcorn that I made at home. Because we got the hot pop, you know, the Yeah, the I remember this, machine. but that is a very distinct pre-pandemic memory no, it's not. for me. We didn't get the popcorn thing until after the pandemic. Yeah. That was a wedding gift. No, that was a wedding no, gift. no, no, no. Yeah. Are you we serious? We didn't get that until after the wedding. Yeah, because we 
opened up our gifts literally after the pandemic. We had nothing better to do. But then I wasn't in the area after the pandemic, so how would I have seen the movie with you? And movie theaters. Well, were we went to because we went. We met up in Newark that one time. Oh, nope, nope. We saw Nope together. Yeah, there we go. And we I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I brought my notepad for that one though. So, whatever. Anyway, it was nice going to the theater with you guys. It reminded me we used to go a lot to the Sea Caucus one, or at least I used to go with you guys to the Sea Caucus one a lot. But I hadn't been to the Sea Caucus in years. Yeah, so, so it felt like I go to. Yeah, very convenient. It's better than Newport because the 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 one that I go to is so close to me, but I have to pay for parking, and it's just the worst. Oh, so not just pay for parking, but then you got to go into the actual mall, go to the third floor, uh-huh. through the food court, right mm-hmm. where all the teens hang out. That sounds like yeah. an absolute trudge. And it was like closed down because of the rat infestation. <laughs> there was a rat infestation, like literally a couple days after I had gone with my girlfriend for the first time, and I was like, so this is awkward. But <laughs> oh, so you, oh, you went and it was closed. No, we went and then a couple days later it closed due to the rat oh, that's even so, worse. That means they might yeah. have been there. Yeah, seriously, they well, they most certainly were there and they probably are still there. Let's I be mean, honest. It, to be honest, it's probably rats in every theater. Exactly. There's so, you. Like, you never know where the you know. rats are. There might be some in your house. Okay, so the one but thing that I want to focus topic. on. <laughs> One thing I want to say, though, is that this was your first time witnessing any form of The Color Purple. You know, you guys hadn't read the book, you hadn't seen the show, and you hadn't seen the 1985 movie. And so you saw the musical first, and then you went back and you watched the 1985 movie. And I remember leaving the theater, like, just really wanting to hear your guys' thought in a very compare and contrasty way. Because the stories are the same. Yeah. But they're two really different movies. Yes. And... So I'm excited. Should we just talk about the plot and then talk about both versions or should we do, you know, this 80s movie first and then the musical? What do you vote no, for? No, yeah, I think we could go about, we could actually just sum up the plot because the plot is the mm. same throughout. It's just a matter of how they're told. Exactly, yes. So really quick history. Um, Alice Walker wrote this book in 1982 and three years later it was a movie. The novel mm-hmm. itself, which we have not read and we're not going to focus on, but it's an epistolary novel which means that it's read primarily through letters that were written, like in the form of you're reading someone's letters. And all of those letters belong to a character named Celie. Now, I just want to point that out because the point of view of the book is strictly from Celie's point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's something that completely varies in both films, which I wonder, and I'm going to ask you guys a little later, um, how much you think that affects it, the the more we're taking out of Celie's point of view. But... Uh, I'll digress on that for now. The movie was bought by John Peters and Peter Goobers. Goobers. And, uh, right? Peter and Goobers, those guys. And oh, okay. they were they were like such famous producers in the 80s that became studio executives for a very short limited time in the early 90s. But like they're the ones who brought you Batman and they're the reason why Batman was like as crazily promoted as it was. It was a sensation. So they're very famous and notorious assholes, of course. But of course, I mean, yeah, usually to be a producer, you have to be one day. Yeah, I will. Be. Yeah. So they were like, hey, we want to turn your novel into a book. And she's like, eh, I don't know if I want the studio system to have my book. But she consulted with her friends and she was like, the only way that you can improve the representation of minorities was to work with the system. That's so, so interesting. That was her goal and not to, you know, just make that money. 
Yeah, no, I mean, Alice Walker is a really, I think, important thinker in our society and stuff. And, and anybody who can read even a short story of her, you should, because she's a really brilliant writer. Wait, what else has she written? Um, she wrote a book called, no, I'm sorry, a short story called Everyday Use. Um, she's also, I mean, she's just known for being a voice within like the civil rights movement, the feminist movement, um, like all types of movements she's spoken out on. I think she's also like Meridian, I think is one of her books. I'm pretty sure. The Color Purple, I would say is by far her most popular, but she has other short stories. Okay. Um, her contract stipulated that 50% of the production team outside of the cast had to be not white. So they had to be either African-American female or quote people of the third world. So that's why, even though you find that Steven Spielberg, you know, directed this movie, John Williams did not compose it, his frequent collaborator. And that was because he literally, you know, he couldn't hire his normal go-to people. So Quincy Jones ended up composing this film. Uh, Quincy Jones was the one who like fought hard for Oprah so much so he even fought for her to get extra lines that apparently was part of a, a feud and a point of contention between her and Whoopi Goldberg for years afterwards. Really? That, like, her role became bigger at the insistence of Quincy Jones, who was not only the composer, but a producer for this film. That's Quincy Jones that... was also... Mm. Oh, I was going to say that Whoopi Goldberg having beef related to the movie The Color Purple because there's beef in the 2023 Color Purple Cast. Yeah, I know, and right? Oprah. We're gonna talk about <laughs> Yeah, Oprah always bring the point of beef. Uh he's the one who went over he went for Steven Spielberg. And you gotta think about Steven Spielberg at this time. He made Jaws, he made Close Encounters, he made E.T. and he made the two Indiana Jones movies. So he was still a, a hack. blockbuster family filmmaker. So like <laughs> why someone was like, that's the guy who should do color purple, who knows? But I think at that point Steven Spielberg was ready to be taken seriously. And wanted okay. to make more kind of important with the capital I films. Yeah, so, look, I mean, this is what, how many Steven Spielberg movies have we covered? Yeah, we have. Sure. And after this, you know, that Empire of the Sun, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Munich, you know, like he knows how to do drama. And this was mm-hmm. his first attempt at it. Now, he was initially reluctant because he was like, I'm not from the South, uh, I'm white. Am I the person for this job? But apparently after Alice Walker saw E.T., she was like, I think he could do a good job with my movie. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's sure. I I don't see the connection, but I mean, this movie also had a lot of controversies when it came out, um, which is something we could talk about after we talk about the plot. But that's just a little thing that I wanted to say there, you know, so Alice Walker really wanted this movie to have intention. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what is this movie about? Well, it takes place in the early 20th century. Georgia, and it's about two sisters, essentially. Celie Harris, who the novel is all from the point of view of, and the film, the original film, is narrated from her point of view, too. And her sister, Nettie. Mm -hmm. Celie and Nettie's mother died when they were younger, and they're currently being abused, Celie, sexually abused, by her father. And she Mm -hmm. has given birth to two of his children, Adam and Olivia, who he then gives away. Yeah, all by the age of 14. 14. 15? All yeah. by the age of 14. Um, he quickly marries Celie, who's ugly and very, uh, what's that word? Uh, doesn't, not very confident. Uh, meek? Meek, yeah. She's very meek. She's Everyone thinks she's very ugly. But she knows how to cook. So he sells her off to this man that they call Mr. Because they, they don't know him by his first name. They call right. him Mr. 
Um, and he originally wants Nettie, but he settles for Celie, uh, who he immediately starts to abuse. After the father tries to make some sexual advances on Nettie, she moves in with Celie only to have Mr. make sexual uh, advantages, advances on her. And then when she denies him and hits him in the balls, he forces her out of his house. And Celie and Nettie don't see each other again for the most of the story. Nettie promises to write, but Celie never hears from her. And we hear about Celie's life for the next 20, 30 years. As the children that she raises grow up and they fall in love and meet people. Um, Mr.'s long love affair, this woman named Shug Avery, who's the real love of his life, comes to visit and Celie and Shug build a relationship together. And of course, you know, the abuse by Mr. pertains, but, you know, Celie kind of finds her own strength at some point due to her friendships and the people in her life to leave him. She finds out the truth about her father that her father actually was not her father, but her stepfather. Mm-hmm. And that when her mother died, um, the parents' tailoring shop was actually meant to go to Celie and Nettie. So when her stepfather dies and she learns his truth, she inherits that. And then... Is that she... why he, she inherited a, a tailor shop in the book? Or I know that's the plot for the new one. In the 1985 movie, it was like she inherited the home and like whatever. They just said the business that was attached to it, but... Never I know it was just it was. like quote unquote property. I don't. I don't. Never read the book, so I'm not completely yeah. sure. I know. Yeah, but... 18, 1985 movie. She inherited the house that they lived in when they were children, and there was a business on the house also. But they just never said. Yeah, what it was. they never said what it was. I think, but she did do some sort of tailor job or something. I think. I mean, not really. Not in the. Not in the movie. Not to the extent of the musical, but <clears throat> musical. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, during this time, it's found out that Mr. has been keeping letters from Nettie to Celie this whole time. So she finds these letters and finds out what Nettie's been doing this whole time. And lo and behold, Nettie actually met the people who were raising Adam and Olivia and lived her whole life with them as her family. And so by the end of the film, sisters re- reunite and rejoice and are in much better places. And and yeah, it's just a... It's a hard story. They tackle everything from violence to sexual abuse to poverty, racism, sexism, all racism, this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, it's by no means a feel-good movie. But <laughs> or any of them, really, even though the second one's a musical. Um, but a really intense and kind of like, wow, you just think about how many people live these kind of lives um, in this part of the country at this time of the this time of the century and all this stuff in history. So, yeah. So that's essentially the story. Why would you not consider these feel good movies? Uh, I know like they're pretty, they're pretty bogged by a lot of the hardships, but Mm -hmm. the stories, both of them are about resilience. I think that at the end, it's not like, so like, wow, all hope is lost. And yes, at the end, you know, love prevails, hope prevails, strength prevails. And yet, even though that's a great thing, I won't say it makes me, as a whole, the whole property doesn't leave me feeling like, wow, I feel great now, you know? <laughs> like I don't a comedy know. I feel like the musical, or a for fun sure. musical would. Even, again, hard topics that we're talking about, right? But I think even by the musical, it was like, huh, that was... Sh- I, I think the musical... The musical does build out on the resilience more so than the 1985 film, but even the 1985 film, I mean, maybe feel good is not the way I would describe that movie, but 
It doesn't yeah. leave me feeling hopeless either, though. It doesn't leave me feeling like it's just a heavy. The 1985 film is just a heavy film, but I don't think it's necessarily. I think the the musical though does leave me feeling good by the end. I would qualify the musical for sure as maybe a little feel goodery. Hmm. Okay. I definitely would not, but I I see where you're coming from in that. Like sense. hidden figures. <clears throat> you know, I've still not seen that film. Well, you know, it got the Oscar nomination for Best Picture, and I feel like that's what's. I feel like the color purple might be hidden's figured this award season. It might be. Well, it got the Critic Choice. It didn't get a Golden Globe Award, but it got a Critics Choice Award. Nomination or actual award? uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. A nomination at the Critic Choice Award. And some would say that that's a more impressive feat than a Golden Globe nomination because the Golden Globes was not a good show this year. So. Right. And the Golden Globes are still recovering from their reputation. But all right. So these movies overall, do you like one better? (laughs) You want to get right into that? I mean, we talked about the story, so let's let's get into the movies. No, I didn't like one over the other. I think they both have their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm, okay. Uh, I don't know. I would, yes, of course. I, I would agree. Yeah, but I don't know if one is necessarily better than the other, especially considering the musical is so different. It is different, it is a musical. Yeah. It does. Well, also because it's not yeah. really just Celie's story. I think that's the biggest difference is that the musical doesn't, it feels more like an ensemble film, whereas the original 1985 film is clearly Celie's story. That's true. That's, we do, why? Because we focus a little bit more on Sophie or, because it's not like, how do you figure? Because I know the musical- Well, one, the narration's have... taken away. Which I think is fine. I don't yes. think we need a narration. That's fine. But one, we lose the narration with the opening and closing numbers being ensemble pieces too, it's not like directly focused on like, this is Celie's story and this is how her story begins. It's actually more so the sisters and stuff. And like, I think, I think it's just, even though Celie is the main character, I think it's more concerned with telling everybody's story than it is with just Celie's, if that makes sense. Well, I also think though, the 1985 film really is a story of one woman where the musical becomes almost a story of women in this time period, yeah. which I think I think makes a little bit of a stronger case because, like, you know, even in the 1985 film, all these women were treated, like, unjustly by some form of system, right? But we were focusing on, on, on Whoopi Goldberg's character, Nettie, Predominantly, right? Because she's our main character. Whereas in the musical, what we're seeing all these aspects of womanhood being attacked, usually by men, right? Uh, and and then I'm kind of like trying to uh, overcome it and stuff, right? So, <coughs> yeah, and, you know, so we get a bit, you know, even in the 1985 movie, we still get that scene with uh, Suge apologizing, making peace with her father, right? So it's not like... I mean, by by your argument there, it's just like, well, that scene wouldn't exist if it was solely uh, Nettie's story. You know what I mean? No, I don't think it's it's that. I think it's the like. I think it has to do more so with the way that the stories get told instead of like the scenes. Like a lot of scenes exist in both films, but the way that they're portrayed or the way that they're filmed is a little different. Um, and I'll I'll think of an example uh, to provide you with soon enough as we keep talking. 
but things they're very different films in a lot of ways especially because one's a musical so one has to approach things differently and musicals i i'm a big fan of i think it's an art form within itself but there's the musical on the stage that's mm-hmm. an art form within itself and the musical on film mm-hmm. is an art form within itself because what you have to do is you have to adapt it it's a completely different medium and what works on the stage doesn't always work as well in the film mm-hmm. and I think that for me at least because I think the filmmaker might have struggled with realizing truly because he's a new filmmaker I think this is the first film he's ever made and it's by Bits Bazawalu, Bazawul I think um, don't quote me on his last name. Mm-hmm. I think he he was a rapper, and I believe he might have drawn music videos, but this is his first feature-length film. I think that struggle uh, really affected the overall tone of the movie, and then also led me to feel like the main character is not the main character of her own film. There's a difference between other people outshining you and outperforming you, but yeah. also like the film itself not even really wanting to focus on you. And your story, um, which is different from the 1985 one because it's very, very, there's no doubt and there's no like uh, filmmaking confusion as to who the movie's about. The the only thing I agree with is in terms of tonality, where I think it might have been a little disjointed, was it didn't, the film itself couldn't decide whether it wanted to be you know, go the Chicago route in which all these musical numbers were happening inside the person's head. Mm. Or if all these musicals are happening, like, as if they're happening in the real world, right? It kind of tried to do both. And I don't think it's just like, that was the disconnect for me. Especially the part where Nettie sees her baby for the first time. <laughs> and then it yeah, goes into, like, the musical number. number that was on the railroads. And I was just like, wait, how did we get here? It seems so out of place. It that does, was, yeah. Like, for sure, one yeah. of the musical numbers that I was just like, this doesn't work. The musical number that didn't work also was when uh, Nettie kissed Shug, right? Again, that did not work either. Fell out of place and stuff out of mm-hmm. uh, out of the musical. I don't. I disagree about this film not knowing who its main character was by having us focus on some of these other characters because so many of these characters' lives changed because of the actions of our main character, which is why it was important to focus. Specifically, I think the most beautiful sequence probably does come when Nettie is visiting uh, uh, Sophie at the at the jail cell, right? And we see the passage of time almost happen like in that, in that one shot. And, uh, you know, we find out why these scenes were important, right? It's not because look at what this horrible thing that happened to this woman. It was more so because at the end, when she reveals like, you are the only reason I believe God is still with us because of you, Nettie. Right. So it's not like same thing. I think Nettie also kind Seely, of, I think you're I'm talking sorry. about Seely. Yeah, you're right. I've been saying Nettie this whole time. Seely. Seely <laughs> uh, also kind of, I think the other thing is just like this idea of like forgiveness is so much more palatable or palpable in the 2023 version because I think it became much more recurring throughout these characters' stories versus the 1985 in which it's handled a little differently and stuff. And I'm not saying it's handled wrong. I think it's handled in a very different manner that I think is equally beautiful. But I think for this musical, it worked and stuff, right? So I don't... I, 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 I think 
I disagree with you in the fact that like, oh, this film didn't know who the main character was. I think it did, and it did, I think it, I think it demonstrated it beautifully, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Where it's like maybe this is not just one woman's story; it's women's story. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the film was going for that. I think though, because of that, and you know what it might be, it might be the fact that Fantasia kind of got outshined uh, by other performers because she is the main character and she's supposed to be the star of the movie, but she doesn't really feel like the star of the movie, or at least in, in that sense, I think it affects whether or not I view her as her main character. And then oh, there's additional arcs that they give some of these characters that weren't in the original film. Whereas well, like I, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg is the fucking star of the 1985. What she did in that movie mm. was unfucking. She gave a stellar performance. She embodied that character. If you think about the two scenes, and I'm glad you brought up the kissing Suge scene, because that's something I'm going to get into in terms of the criticisms of the original film. <clears throat> the way that Whoopi was responding physically to Suge, the way like the covering of the mouth, you know, and like hunching over mm-hmm. that like performance led so much, uh, lent itself so much to that scene that it became almost like it was tragic, but it became more romantic. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, oh, what a romantic idea that we're like singing on top of a record or in a movie and stuff. And yet you don't really feel any of the emotions that you're supposed to of Suge and Celie kind of falling in love. Now here's the yeah. thing in the in the book they have a whole intense lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg says, "quote He was the wrong director to acquit some of the more sexually honest encounters between Suge and Seely." Uh, dot dot dot. He says that I was shy about it. I didn't feel we could get a PG thirteen rating, and in that sense, I think I was the wrong director for it. It got uh, a lot of controversies when this movie came out, and people were familiar with the book because the movie kind of shies away from a romantic film, a, a romance mm. story between Celia uh, and Shug. But yeah. he's not the, wrong. like that's the thing. Like, do you think when you watched that film, did you think they were in love, or did you just think they were friends and experimenting? Uh, I thought that it was Shug experimenting with with uh with with uh Seely. Seely, yeah. I thought Seely you could tell Seely was like in love with her in both these performances though. Right? I, I Seely, yeah. Seely well I think you could tell Seely was in love with her a little bit more in this musical oddly, just because of like that one scene when she's oh. bathing her back. Oh yeah, I, that was a pretty intimate scene, right? No, yeah. I, I think I don't know. Whoopi also gave a very, very tender performance and stuff. Like her obsession with uh with with suge for sure also carried over i saw it and stuff so yeah, i i definitely I saw the fact that like Lee was definitely the one in love with suge but suge we know this early on she cannot be tamed right so i never so if i didn't know that they had an actual relationship right yeah i wouldn't have bought it necessarily because i don't think i feel like suge would be the kind of woman who'd be like oh it's just a fling with a woman no biggie yeah, well, I mean, no. she definitely leaves her lovers behind and she always goes on to do new things herself and to explore other right. people. But, no, I, I mean, it doesn't surprised. mean that she doesn't love those people. So it's, like, weird because they could have, but Steven Spielberg even said, like, if I were to do it all over again, I wouldn't include anymore because I think that what I did was consistent with the tonality of the color purple that I adapted, which is very interesting. He He stands by it, even though he knows that it was kind of him 
pussying out. Yeah, <laughs> no I mean, intended. I don't. But again, I don't disagree with him because I, I, I do think we know how society reacts against like homosexuality, right? And we especially also in the eighties. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, so uh, now I think from about, about black people, period, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> but like you, you put a lesbian thing already. It's just like, well, Hollywood already yeah. has to hurdle over the fact that this is a predominantly black cast. Now we're yep. throwing lesbians in. Oh no, no, no! I'm sure. Like, I understand it's a fucked up decision to make, but like, I understand why it's made. Uh, I think contrast though to the 2023 version, the what's it called? We pussied out of the actual lesbianism here because all we got was a little tender kiss i guess but then nothing kind of came out of it right there was no closure i think in that sense of that relationship i don't know if by the end she was like in a thruple or having a mysterious like side thing yeah while she was while while suge was married to the other man right like i don't know yeah. what the dynamics were that made less sense to me but i think the third act of the musical for sure is the weakest of the movie because it's so hurried it feels like Oh, yeah. I actually think the whole film, to be honest, felt kind of hurried. Now, let's take that same scene of Suge and Celie. They're at the theater. They're watching the theater. A romantic number happens. And then cut back to them, and they're kissing. And what does the movie do? The moment they stop kissing, onto the next scene. We don't mm -hmm. actually get to live in that reality moment. Because like you said, too, it can't decide whether or not it wants to live in fantasy or the musical numbers actually take place in the real quote-unquote world. So that they kiss and then that's it. Where do they explore that moment? When do we live in that moment? When do we see how they well, feel about it? Like we did in the original film, which was way more intimate. They walk and, off together the next day. Yeah, but then this, then Nettie's numbers, letters came and we moved on to that. And now we're in a brand new sequence of the film. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the thing too, like within the first couple minutes of meeting Celie, Suge's already like saying, why don't you smile more? And it's like, you just met her. How do you know whether or not she smiles a lot? Whereas like, that's something that got that came after a couple scenes in the original film. They went through this whole dynamic, uh, different dynamics of their relationship from her calling her ugly to her treating her cruelly to them actually being nice to each other. Like they actually had a genuine relationship unfold. So her everything her felt very was rushed. so mean. I, I know. I felt so bad for Whoopi Goldberg because like this you woman- You feel bad for Whoopi that whole fucking movie, man. Oh yeah, no, because like this is a woman who clearly can act the shit out of like a lot of people, right? Yeah. But, like, mm -hmm. she has always suffered this kind of stigma of being called the ugly black woman. It's just like, have you seen her skin? That is flawless skin that she has. What are we talking yeah. about ugly here? Yeah. All right. Like, no, she, she, I mean, astonishing performance, really. I mean, I felt bad. I feel bad for Celia, no matter what, and no matter who plays her. But really, truly, would be embodied it, like, wholeheartedly. Um, Another moment that felt rushed in the musical is actually the beginning. And I, I know they're trying to get the story going and trying to introduce a lot of things. But I even wondered to myself when we were in the theater, I was like, huh, do Rolando and Eddie know that Adam and Olivia are products of her father's abuse? Well, and yeah, I'm not going to ask you that. Did you know that? Did they ever really say that in the film? They, yes. Yes. It was like very much like, like told explicitly. When, when, like, uh, when was it told? It was told the first time we are in a general store. And we're talking about the musical, right? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the musical. Okay. So it's a general store. She's cleaning. She's inside. She's cleaning. And then she sees the baby. And she cuts the baby's attention. And the baby's blanket says Olivia. Yeah. And oh. then she goes and she says, Oh, Olivia, you're my daughter. You but the question though was, do we know that they were a product of her father raping her? And yeah, it yeah, was I think we get the sense. We got that. the sense of it for sure. Like after yeah. Whoopi Goldberg delivers the baby. 
right? But and, when do the uh, you got a sense of it? Like you put the dots together, or he was literally told to said, us? "This is my baby," and then he goes, "I'm going to take care of it." This is what he literally yeah, says. Yeah. It's just like it could not be more obscure than that. Like, yeah, for some reason I don't remember that. Maybe at like he, at that point he, I, like, it was like a verbatim thing. This is mm. my child, and I do what I want with it. All I, all, all like, we thought we were gonna kill him. Yeah, this what we thought. Yeah, yeah. Like we thought oh, okay. we were gonna die, right? I think so, yeah, that's like... about it. Yeah, like whereas in the original film, it's very clearly and explicitly kind of stated the situation she's in. I think there was just like one line in the musical and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, granted, I'm not like, hey, harp more and more on this terrible subject matter. But I was like, this is a major plot line that I think adds to overall Celie's trauma and the reason she is for who she is and stuff. And it didn't feel like that point was really hit very well in the head like everything moved so fast i think the, the movie it was, all, it was also kind of handled the same way where it wasn't like it was it was mm. like one line that we got that she was being sexually abused by her by her well we find out stepfather mm. right but she thought it was the father so right and it's I, I we get like it's only, again both films it's at the end when we find out that she's a stepfather yeah uh, and that like these aren't her i think the one difference is that I think in the 1985 film, she explicitly says like, oh, my baby's more my brother or sister, right? Where I don't think we had that line in the- Yeah, no, I think, I, like I musical. said, it's more explicitly said in the 80s film than it was in the musical. But hey, I mean, you guys got that that was a thing. So my point there is at least lost, but I don't, Good. I felt a little rushed. Take that. <laughs> it felt a little <laughs> rushed. And like the whole kind of, the whole movie, I, some moments I was like musical numbers so a scene would happen a sequence would happen and in this sequence you know Sophia's gonna uh leave Harpo or something mm -hmm. a couple of things happen a song happens song ends bam onto the next sequence we don't ever really like exist in that sequence uh after a song happens we just move directly onto the next thing and to me that's hard because it's possible to live in a scene after a song is done it's not Tell a requirement me. to jump to the next sequence once the song is done in a musical. How? I don't know. I don't watch many musicals, so I don't really know. Like, usually, my, <laughs> you know, like, for the musicals that I watch, which have to be dizzy, it's just, like, musical number ends, and now we're in the next, you know what I mean? So, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, well, think about the original West Side Story, you know? Like, what happens after they sing G. Officer Crumpke? They're, like, they start talking, and, like, it uh, actually, they're still in the same exact location. And then the sharks come, and then they go to the rumble. But it's not, like, bam, new sequence. It's a continuation of the story. Because musical numbers are supposed to happen organically in a story. And not only that, but it's, like, supposed to be... The point of a musical, too, is the reason they sing is because everything becomes too much that they can't say it in words anymore. They have to sing about it. Right. Which is where I think this movie is ultimately where I suffered. Right. I don't think I don't think it understood its musical numbers too well. I don't and think it did very much either. Which is funny. Right. Because like I'm saying that as a critique without necessarily saying that I didn't like it. I actually very much did enjoy this film. I just don't know if the musical numbers made the most sense. Like, again, the case in point is just like there's like a few musical numbers that happen in her head, but the rest of the musical numbers happen in real life, and it's kind of weird. For me, the biggest hard turn is this, in the the musical number "I Wear the Pants Now." I think that's what it was called. That's the her her making pants as her new business venture. Where it started, it started veering very kinky boots, very very silly, not. Up until this point, the whole movie kind of felt a little bit kind of grounded into the time period. This is the one musical number where it's just like now we're seeing like glitter and sequins and like women wearing pants. I'm just like, I don't, I don't think this is 
that you're just losing me a little bit yeah yeah i mean the bouncing from reality and fantasy didn't bother me so much because i was always able to ex- distinguish what was in her head and what was reality but sure, i was too like it was just clunky trans transitions yeah it just felt way too music video-y and and not like I didn't really care so much for the way that it was shot either. Again, the one that you reference is when she's singing about her baby, but she's walking through like where there's a bunch of prisoners. Um, yeah, which they're like on nice, the chain game. It, it, it looks nice, nice but, but like, why was it there? That's, like this that's is a musical like, number about your children. Why is the focal also, point? I'm wondering just like in my question here is just I guess she's doing this, it's just like, why is she walking in this railroad? Yeah. Like what is It was mainly like? because it went to the beat and it was cool and it was cool choreography, but I'm like, but that's not important for the story yeah and so it becomes style over substance yeah the musical numbers that did work were sophia's musical number um hell no hell no was i think good. it was called uh i think fantasia's big number at the end i am here was good um those are the only ones i can really remember i don't really care for any of shug's numbers to be honest oh really? and i didn't I mean... really care for the finale no but it was it was oh, too my weird least, and you want to know my least favorite number was which one was the opening number because the woman the the pastor's wife or the, mm-hmm. the preacher's wife was doing the thing that they tell you not to do when you're doing rehearsals uh which she was just like kind of half doing her movements right she wasn't like you know how like when you practice they always tell you don't practice with like the half movement right so like you need to do the full movement so you know your body remembers it she was only doing half movements and stuff. And oh, it was like, yeah. I okay. considered it incredibly <clears throat> lazy in my opinion. <laughs> driving me insane. Uh, although I will agree with you, Nicole, there was something about this movie that did feel cheap. Mm. Like, and it, I think it was a little bit in terms of like the camera. It might. It was digital. I mean, you could tell it's digital, right? And sometimes yeah. that mm-hmm. doesn't. When you're doing period pieces digital is not the way to go in my opinion yeah and there were a lot of like digital like transitions that were so like heavily vfx Mm -hmm. um you know when like like the handkerchief and then the handkerchief flows and then it transitions into the next scene or something i don't remember that one i remember like when she was getting when she was uh well i mean she was being raped by 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 mister and she's looking at the at uh at suge's picture and then Shug like, oh yeah, yeah. That's a, that, I remember that transition. For example, yeah. just like kind of like it's like, wow, this is, this feels like such a Disney Channel esque transition. Yeah. <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, there were aspects of it that this movie does feel a little bit on the cheaper side, which is kind of my next point. Is just like, well, we know that they were cutting corners here because like Oprah Winfrey did not want to pay Taraji P her demand, uh, her price point, and the other major scandal that just broke out. Uh, the production wanted the cast to drive themselves around in Atlanta, not be escorted around, which uh, do you know why that's a big deal? Why? It's an insurance liability thing. Like to have your main cast like driving around town and stuff like to get to set. It's dangerous. Mm. It could like it could it, jeopard- it puts them in jeopardy. True. This is very true. So that's that's I mean, that's really interesting. The budget of the 1985 film was $15 million. One five? One five. That is crazy. That movie looks wonderful. Do you know how much it made at the box office? $13 million. $98 million. Wow. Now, 
the new film had uh-huh. a budget of 90 to 100 million dollars. That's and so okay. far it has only made 54 million. Yeah. It's uh but it's crazy it's how, you know, like all the money in the world and yet I mean of course inflation has changed things, but still like all the money in the world can't really uh <laughs> make your movie look great. Well, so, a million dollar budget and we couldn't like spend some on Taraji P like she almost walked out of uh of negotiations because like they just weren't they were not going to give her like what she wanted I know. and like this is Taraji P this is Taraji Oscar nominated uh she didn't she didn't see the movie but yeah it's she not like no, we'll no, thank no. god I, they had her but time out but she is still like a big character no Shig is very important although like I felt the same about Sugar and Celie's relationship in both movies. I'll say that. So, which is, I mean, I think that whatever happened in the novel can't really ever be fully explored in the movie unless it becomes perhaps a miniseries or something. But I didn't really feel the love. I mean, I felt the infatuation perhaps, but I didn't feel that intense love affair in either yeah. film. But so... you know, in the first film, you really get a sense. Wow, this is. You know, Celie's first brush with what love feels like because not too many people have loved this poor woman. Um, Apparently, I, they were putting pressure on Oprah to cast Beyonce or Rihanna <laughs> into the, in the cast. What? Really? I could see Beyonce as Suge. Could you not? I could see oh. Rihanna as Suge. No, who would they want Rihanna to be? I don't know if I could see. Rihanna, I think, is too. I don't think Beyonce she's, could do any of those roles. You know what? Beyonce would have been great as grown-up Nettie. <laughs> she's in the movie for the last five minutes. Do you know who is grown-up Nettie? Yeah, Ciara. I did not know that. I thought it was Sandy Newton. <laughs> oh, really? Halfway through the movie, I realized that um, Squeak was I, played I by was... her. And I was like, oh, shit, that's her. Her. I don't know the, her. The musical artist, well. her. I know her, the musical artist. Oh, okay, her. I don't yeah. know the musical artist. <laughs> uh... Wait, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that would be, yeah, yeah it was cool. I, I could, yeah, maybe, yeah, Beyonce, there would have been a good cameo for Beyonce to come back. Yeah, and the last five minutes, I would have been like, oh, she's beautiful. Um, but, let's talk no, a little bit about yeah. Mr., actually. We haven't spoken at all about Mr. Oh, yeah, no, I, you know why? I fucking hate him. Yeah, he's terrible. Uh, one of the controversies of the original film, it's non-existent now, but in 1985, a big controversy was that a lot of people alleged that the film stereotyped black people in general and black men in particular, pointing to the fact that Spielberg, who is white, had directed a predominantly African-American story and he villainized his men. Author James Baldwin notoriously hated the film. He Mm. accused the movie and its director, Steven Spielberg, of, quote, mangling the poetic vision of Alice Walker's novel. did Did he know she gave her blessing? Oh yeah, no, yeah. She she didn't write the she wrote the original draft. She didn't write the screenplay, but she had like final say on it. So, uh-huh. um, also, uh, Michelle Wallace said the movie smothered Walker's feminist message in syrupy Disney-like sentimentality. That and, I agree with. Yes, I would agree with that too. And Ishmael Reed called the book a near criminal assault on black family life and heterosexual relationships and stuff. So pretty much stereotypical portrayal of black men being violent. It's right. true. Most of the men in this movie are violent and cruel towards women. However, I think the movies and the story does a pretty good job at showing you why these men are like that. They're not just violent for the sake of being violent. 
I think that they're violent because society has made them that way. I think mm-hmm. in the case of Mr. in particular, a truly horrible character, but this is a man who had a father who, you know, wouldn't like, don't let women talk to you that way. Right. Who had a love affair that went wrong and, and Shug left him. Then his wife died and was raised to leave, <clears throat> left to raise a family on his own on property he didn't want to belong to. And mm-hmm. so, and a lot of the time too, people who don't have education and people who don't really, you know, leave their homes in their life have a lot of misplaced anger. Just as Celie herself was meek, because women her are taught to be meek, men are taught to be violent. So I don't know, would you agree with the controversies that this film stereotypes and, and villainizes black men and just turns them into violent people? I don't know if it's kind of like it's kind of like that scene of the woman who's like freaking out when they're trying to help her with the car because she's like, oh, my God, they're going to attack me. They're going to attack me. It's like that. But that's what they're saying the white people that though. the like, movie is perpetuating those kind of uh, it, thoughts right. on black men, which is I, I, which is interesting. Right. Because, no, I mean, I, again, I haven't read the book. Right. But if this is a source material telling you that, like this blame the author that that like men are being portrayed this way. Right. I don't know. Well, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. As people who haven't read the novel, you know, are they portrayed more gray as as opposed to as black and white in the movie? Even though I would yeah. say that the second movie really tries to redeem Mr. more it than does. the first movie does, which and is I hate it. weird. <laughs> I agree. So I, because I hated Mr. from the movie, uh, from the musical, more so than Danny Glover's Mr. Okay. I think. I think the movie, uh, the musicals, Mister, was so much more horrific. Yeah, there was something wretched, really wretched. Yeah, versus Danny Glover's Mister, who, yeah, I hated him, but I didn't necessarily want him. Like, I didn't wish the worst upon him. I wished the worst upon the new Mister. He was so vile. Yeah, so yeah. absolutely vile. But they did try to redeem him at the end, and they did redeem him at the end. I didn't want to. Forg- I would never forgive him. I mean, I don't know if they redeem him for me. (laughs) Well, but yeah, because enough for Celie to allow him at her Easter dinner, which was like, what? What are you doing? But she, that's the whole thing. Her story. (laughs) Her story. That's the story in the new one, though. No, 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 no. That's not the story in the original character story, which is fine with me. I'm okay. Uh, Again, it just shows her strength, right? That she can forgive this horrible human being, right? And, yes, forgiving uh, someone is one thing. Letting them back into your life is another. But also, I don't think that Celie's... I think that's something that they inserted into the new film. I don't. That wasn't part of the original film. I, I'm aware of this, but I'm so, saying... But, I'm, I don't, but is that really part of her story, then? If that's something that they added. It's, it's this version's story, right? Mm. Like, I'm not talking about like the character like uh, as, uh, as the idea. I'm talking about this character in this film, her story. Like okay. she has chosen to forgive, and I'm like, based off of everything we have seen in this film, that was the arc that she was going through. Uh, like, hers was a story of a strength that is beyond us common people, right? Like us people, we view strength usually in actual like physical strength, or we view strength in like uh, being wealthy or being like fancy, like Suge, right? Well, where she just shows us what real strength absolutely is, and that is just enduring all this horrible shit but never fucking just like never losing i guess faith in who you are right or like just 
just like always she this is just like a woman who was absolutely resilient this character at least now uh yeah he went through she he went through uh a change in trying to redeem himself for her i think the problem here is at least with the two films in the 1985 film he just does it he just does it and he doesn't necessarily need the forgiveness right he doesn't, they don't have another, they don't, he, she, as far as like his sis, her sister returning, she doesn't, in the 1985 film, she doesn't know that it's because of Mr. Right. They don't, they never made eye contact. They didn't like, they didn't make uh they didn't like look at each other or anything. She didn't know, but that's fine for him. He's okay. And he walks off and off into the sunset or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. In the other one, it's like a big proclamation that he makes that he did this, which I <laughs> yes. think was kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> which I think kind of cheapened the moment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, for me, it's very unrealistic that the char- that character of Mister had the arc that he did, where now he's like, he wants her to forgive him, and he's even going to wear those pants for her, and then be like, "Hey, I did this for you because I want us to be friends or something." Like, and the reason why Mister does it is because he doesn't want the curse on him anymore, because he believes mm-hmm. that Celie put the curse on him. So it's, what he's right. doing is actually a selfish oh. act. Okay. Yeah, but, but the same thing too. So I, I think sometimes uh, that's part of the human experience too. Sometimes we go through a lot of, you know, when we recognize when we go through our shit, we go through our own struggles and difficulties. It may wake wake us up about you know what am I also causing to cause on other people too? What am I putting out in the world that I'm receiving in this way? So, yeah, I mean. It, I, I, I kind of get this whole like redemption arc for him, and you know she, she, she just testifies that she is a strong, forgiving Christian woman, who does not deny anyone to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, does not deny anyone to the table. She doesn't have to accept them in her life the same way. But she can decide, look, I'm forgiving you, not because of you. I'm forgiving you for me. Mm-hmm. Because by forgiving you, I am free of you. I am free. Yeah, yeah I, it I, doesn't I, really I, feel that way, though, when she invites him to Easter dinner and they're, like, holding hands and singing songs together. Like, but, because, like, I, I, but for, she, again, forgiveness is different than letting someone back into your life and stuff. And, not like, to Jesus. It's strength. <laughs> Jesus would not. Jesus would not. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have to base all Christianity off of Jesus' teachings. Jesus would not. Jesus would not. Like, yeah. uh, And I actually, that's a good point because I think the second one feels a little bit more religious too, which is something that the original film doesn't. And I don't know if that's part of Alice Walker's intention and stuff. And whatever, movies take life of their own. So it doesn't even matter if it is. But I mean, yeah, the second, the first, the the uh, the first iteration does feel more secular. The second iteration does feel more Christianity based. But I think that's also part of it is because of the style of music that we end up going with, right? Because of the gospel, of being like yeah. gospel music and like uh and like soul music. And I think as a result, it works from a narrative point of view. Why? Why we go that route? Why we introduce more religion? And I think that's fine. Uh, I think Eddie's right. Like, it's not about like her letting him at the table does not necessarily mean that you're friends, but like it's about this message of not excluding anyone. Right. So I, I, I know like story wise how this all works. What I'm saying is that emotionally it doesn't work 
because I don't think this character should be redeemed by her. And even though I, that's how religion works and that's how forgiveness and it's strong of her to do it and stuff, character-wise, I'm like, this man, like, it doesn't really make sense that he would have that arc. I don't even think he'd be wearing those. I don't think he'd go and visit her. I think he has way too much pride. From what we have seen in the hour and a half before all of that, from what I've seen of this character, I don't believe that he would actually do all of this and then want to then be allowed back into her life. Oh, right. I mean, but like, his last really words to her were, he, he's vile, you know? Like, mm -hmm. did he really have that much growth in him? Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't disagree with you. Uh, I do think that that message gets a little muddy because of how deplorable this man, this character was. But I ultimately do think that, like, it is... I don't think it didn't the emotional impact of the thing was that like it, it worked the only thing that didn't work was the fact that like he makes his big statement of like this by bringing his sister her sister back kind of now that kind of just yeah that for me was a cheapened part it's just like oh like now you're doing this all just for this one moment where danny glover's character he did it and he just went away right like he did not need her to know that it was him which I think is a yeah, little bit more. Which touchy. feels more true to his character too, because he would have way too much pride to see her again. Um, sure, but again, we're in a musical where this is, I don't know. I guess I think the ending of the original film too is just like so touching, so moving, and I don't know about you. You know, when I saw it, I definitely shed some tears at that uh, reunion and stuff, and I was so I was really prepared to be crying my eyes out in the musical, and for some reason. I thought it was fine, but it didn't really felt very touching. And again, that's when it felt more like an ensemble piece. And to your point, Rolando, it's not just about Celia. It's about Celia and all the people whose lives she's affected. Mm -hmm. And now they're here all together having an Easter dinner and stuff. And yet it didn't hit an emotional chord that I was expecting it to. I mean, for me, the reason it didn't was the mid-sensing. Like, it was just really mm. weird. Like, we it, had, yeah, like, it was this, weird, like, yeah. Round, <laughs> like, we had this table around the tree. So the tree was kind of blocking half the shot most of the time, right? Did you notice yeah. that? Mm -hmm. It was bizarre. It, again, there was just things about this that I was just like, this is... Yeah, like those beach shots sloppy. were a little too much on the beach. I'm like, did they get like a week at the beach or something and then just choose oh, to yeah, shoot no, a that, lot? The beach shots were also <laughs> like, that's right. Like, like it always did feel like we're just like kind of back to like this. It didn't feel like different. It didn't feel like time has moved or anything. It just felt like the same yeah. beach. Yeah, you know, no, it same did. Tree it did. All the time. Um, um, yeah. Last role I really want, the last character I really want to talk about is Sophia. Mm -hmm. um, who I think is probably the strongest part of the new one. Daniel Henderson yes. is getting a lot of nominations. Um, for I'm sorry, Daniel Brooks. Uh, I'm thinking of the podcaster. And truthfully, she stole so many scenes that she was she did. in. Like, she took a lot of attention sometimes away from Fantasia, um, which, hey, that's what you do. You know, a good actor will steal, steal the scene, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when they're at the funeral of her stepfather, and she's like, now you're preaching. Oh, Stole the scene, yeah. you know? Those are good. But she, that, it's also, you know, a, a contrast to Celia, this character. But what they do to this character, too, um, it really shows you, like, what do you think they did that with Sophia's character? What? Where she goes to jail. Why? And then her character gets broken. Why do you think, what do you think the intention was of the story to have that happen to Sophia. I don't know necessarily it's the intention, but the consequence of being a woman who can be so outspoken because, yeah, yeah, that might fly in a black man's world, but when she crossed that line in the white man's world, yeah. white man make her pay, right? And yeah. it's foul. 
both in both movies, right? Like in both films, her what ends up happening to her is horrific. Uh, I think the the you know Oprah had that prosthetic that they gave her to like kind of make her eye look weird. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if they were implying that she was kind of also she had trouble seeing it looked like afterwards. Uh, but then the sense. biggest curse, right? So the reason she did that was because a white woman, the the wife of the mayor, wanted her to be the nanny to her children. She was like, hell no. And God forbid you say hell no to a white woman in the South. So when the man comes in, she punches him. Uh, she gets ends up getting beat down and arrested. And her punishment after serving, like, I think eight years in prison, uh, in jail, is to then work for the woman who is responsible. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's right? so terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who I thought was um, Diane Lane. Her spirit is completely oh, yeah. her spirit is completely broken. The the woman in the original, she's one that I, I saw a lot in 90s movies. I can't remember that actress's name, but she's uh, a really familiar actress. I so who did I hate more? <laughs> the one in the in the in the 80s film because she was uh she had this aura of kind of like she kept saying like right when she 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 dropped off uh uh sophia to go see her family for christmas gave her the day off and then got scared by the black men right yeah and then made yeah. her lose her leave yeah oh heartbreaking one of the most effective scenes in the original i was devastated with that it was terrible yeah, um but that was a group that was a pretty gruesome scene i think that's, that's the only was. time i made a joke in the movie though was after seeing uh sophia get beaten i'm like well at least it wasn't a musical number yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Just getting smacked to a beat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then with Celie meeting her, seeing her at the grocery store and helping her out, that act of kindness too, you know, that was really moving. I agree that the, that was the nice. way that they did the musical was nice though with the passage I, yeah, of time I, in the jail cell and stuff. I think yeah. the I preferred the passage of time in the jail cell because that was poor. I mean, again, Daniel Brooks acted her heart out of this movie. She was so moving. Yeah, she was, it she was, was great. So hard to watch, and uh, I didn't realize where I knew her from, right? Because I kept telling, I, I thought she was like someone from Glee or something. Eddie has pointed out that she is from the Peacemaker on HBO Max, and I'm like, oh no way, this is yeah. this girl. Well, she was so also good. in Orange Is the New Black. And, I never saw that. Uh, oh, you never saw that? Okay. Um, do you think that this movie? I mean, we always ask, you know, is it needed and stuff? But do you think that this needed to be updated? And to, aside from the musical qualities, because it was turned into a Broadway musical, because they saw the potential right. of the story as a Broadway musical, <clears throat> do you think that this story needed kind of like to be reinserted into our pop culture life and, and, and what you think people can get out of it and stuff? Like, do you think there's like a void that this kind of fit? Yes and no. I don't think this movie per se was successful in that completely. And I think it might be because of the direction that they took. I don't think it was necessarily the best. It wasn't even, I think the actors, they acted wonderfully, right? I think he did a good job directing the cast. I just didn't think he had a vision in terms of like how stylistic this movie should be by the end. And Mm. I think that's where kind of the movie falters. Uh, I think making this movie, having like, you know, Oprah be one of the producers and like, uh, I think Quincy, I think all the producers, all the production houses from the, from the 1985 movie came back for this one, right? Like it was Quincy Jones's production company is also involved in this one. So was Amblin. The only big yeah. difference is that Oprah Winfrey's production company is also involved in this one. But uh, I don't know. I think there is something important about also having like black 
having a black director for this film. I just wish it was a better black director. Yeah, so good point. Good something I wanted to bring up because like here is a man who understands the story, mm-hmm. but who is probably in ex- too experienced in order to artistically convey it. Yeah. Here is a man, another man, Steven Spielberg, who doesn't necessarily understand the story, but is a really fucking talented <laughs> filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like it's interesting how differently it's done. Because I think the in- intention of the new movie, like you see it, but whether or not he fully achieves it um, is up for interpretation, to say the least. But there is uh, something yeah. pretty undeniable about the storytelling aspect of the um, 1985 film. I, it's it's a very well done film. Spielberg is a good fucking filmmaker. Yeah, no, so. I mean, I didn't realize it was a, a Steven Spielberg film. Like, I didn't know going in, I didn't know this was going to be a Steven Spielberg movie. So when I saw his name, it was just like, oh, shut up. I didn't know this. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't even know Whoopi was in it until. I saw whoa, it. that's wild. Okay. So, I, so, you know, and then to see like Whoopi reprise her, uh, you know, come back in, as like, you know, the, what is that? The woman who give birth uh, mm-hmm. to babies. Oh, uh, that you were just like, wife. oh, Whoopi yeah. Goldberg is randomly in this yeah, well, movie. Yeah, but that's what we're like, oh my God, it's Whoopi. <laughs> Look at Whoopi. <laughs> I didn't know her significance <laughs> to That's hilarious. Going, That's going hilarious. into this, right? Uh, because the yeah. only one I knew who was in the color purple was Oprah. I didn't know that Whoopi Goldberg was in it. But oh, Whoopi wow. Goldberg was phenomenal in this film. Just phenomenal, truly. And did not win the Academy Award. This, film, this movie got famously nominated for a lot of Oscars and did not win a single one. That's, uh, that's tragic. You know, I believe it. Black it's people. a little, yeah, it's a little upsetting um, just because if anything, it, it should have gone to Whoopi, I think. What Wait, did what did Whoopi get her amazing. Oscar for? Was it a ghost? She got it for ghost. That's crazy. No, she was amazing. I mean, she's she good. Amazing. Like, oh, Whoopi's like, so good. Which is I, performance is a strong one. I, mean, I still uh, watch clips of that movie of like her performance in it. Yeah. yeah. Molly, you a danger girl. I mean, it's you so good. You a danger girl. Uh, do you want to know who secretary? won for that movie, by the way? So the for movie that, that won Best Picture in 1985 was Out of Africa. Oh, is that about white people, though? <laughs> yes, it's about white people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the nominees were Whoopi Goldberg for The Color Purple, Jessica Lange for Sweet Dreams, Anne Bancroft mm-hmm. for Agnes of God, Meryl Streep for Out of Africa, one of the white people in it. And the oh. winner was Geraldine Page in The Trimp to Bountiful. How many of these fucking know. movies do we talk about now, huh? And I don't, I don't know a single one of those films. Exactly, except uh, for the color purple. Except for the color purple, which I knew of, but I never had seen. Yes, but at least you knew of it. That one right. has the true staying power. The other nominations were *Kiss of the Spider Woman*, *Prissy's Honor*, and *Witness*. Oh, Maybe you know, I know *Witness*. Witness. Yeah, <laughs> I know *Witness*. I've seen *Witness*. That's yeah. the Amish, right? That's and the, the yeah, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Close enough. It was Harrison Ford. It was Harrison Ford. Wow, I've seen that movie. I must have imagined like uh, Richard Gere. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's great. I should we do a quick lightning round? Let's get into it. Okay, so let's not start with uh, Sealy. Let's instead start with child versions of Sealy and Nettie. Oh, I want to go with the musical. Is it because Halle Bailey? She was great. She did a good job. But so did uh, Young, whoever played Young. Young Sealy uh, was spectacular. And she was all, yeah. 
and looks so much like not Felicity. What's her name? Felicia. Shit. Our actress. Fantasia. 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 Yeah. Fantasia. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I at a certain mm. point was just like, did you just de-age Fantasia? Like this is yeah, yeah. Pretty casting. I'm I'm gonna go with the original. I just I I think their bond um was better explored, and therefore we got some really good performances out of them. And yeah, I think the original Celia was just oh, what a heartbreaking. I mean, the whole movie's fucking heartbreaking, but she really yeah. broke my heart. So, uh, what about <clears throat> Sophia? Okay, I'm gonna go with the 2023 version, Sophia. Mm, I think I'm gonna have to go is, with Danielle Brooks too. Yeah, she she just killed it. Like, talk about yeah, just talk about stealing focus and stuff, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, steals the scene, steals the show. I mean, Oprah does a fan fucking fantastic job in the original. Yeah, she's great, but you know, this one just edges her out. Yeah, and she made it her own too. She was like aware of what Oprah did, but she was able to make it her own. I think she also understood what a musical is. That too, yeah. I feel like her performance felt very musical. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, what about Harpo? Oh, you know what? I guess I'm going to go. I feel like the new one was more memorable. The new one is more memorable, too. I mean, he seemed a little bit more doofusy in the original, which is definitely yeah. probably what Harpo is. But I'm going to go with like the this... original. They actually gave him more heart. They did. And even yeah. at the end, when at that dinner scene, when, you know, basically Celia is saying, all your children are pieces of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, like even Harpo in that scene is aware that like, no, she's right. Like yeah, like, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Sugar Avery. Oh, damn. Do I like Taraji P or do I like? I think I might have liked Taraji P's performance over uh, the 1985 performance. I don't know the yeah. actress's name. She was good. Her though, name but is I, Margaret Avery. Yeah, I just like I don't know. She the 19 the 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 current one the new one felt more like like a like a falling star does that make sense like someone who was at the top at one point and clearly is not anymore but still has like this delusion that she is like that's what she was giving where the other one was giving uh what does she have tuberculosis or like syphilis right (laughs) like one of those diseases (laughs) uh yeah that, that made her a used woman basically no i I, i'm gonna go with margaret avery because i would say that i do think that she's someone who like you know is is struggling with her alcoholism um is struggling with her career um Mm -hmm. who is kind of fickle especially when it comes to love but like her performance in the original film when she's singing that to Celie, i feel that more Mm -hmm. than i do any performance that taraji gave i love taraji taraji's great but i'm gonna have to give it to margaret avery in the original Maybe it's because I think Taraji had more screen presence. I think also probably is because it's a musical, right? It's, so yeah. Like, no, for you would sure. hope they do. <laughs> so, what about Mister? Okay, so Mister's a tough one, right? Because Danny Glover was really good as Mister, but the new Mister made me hate him so much. Yeah. Like I felt nothing but pure rage. Like when she was about to cut his neck, I was just there, just like, just do it, just do it. Fuck it, it's worth it. Like I don't fucking care. Yeah. Like, go for it. Uh, I'm gonna go with the nineteen, the the two twenty twenty three, uh, 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 Mister. I don't know the actor's name. Yeah, Coleman Domingo is his name. He did a he, really great job. 
I don't I like gets... all the what you hope he gets a nomination. Yeah, I think he was like a he. What does that qualify for actor or supporting actor? Maybe actor, but yeah, he might get supporting he, he actor. Was, he was good. He was good. Um, I don't necessarily like what they did with his character. All the bonus things that they added for him in this new one but man oh man he acted the shit out of that role he never had his own song i love that they don't give him a song two things i didn't like about the original one is that he introduces himself as mister the whole point is that they don't know his fucking name he would not refer to himself as mister they the girls refer to him as mister because she's married to a man whose name she does not know right Mm -hmm. so first thing that pissed me off second thing that really pissed me off is when he's becoming an alcoholic mister though in the in the musical but he says his last name no i'm talking about the musical he says oh you're talking about mr in the musical yeah no that's what pisses me off in the musical um the other thing that pisses me off is that when he's becoming an alcoholic and he's walking home in the rain and then he like falls on the ground they do this thing that i hate this is my own pet peeve in movies when they don't think that the audience is smart so it's like he's clearly now realizing that the curse has affected his life but then they bring back the audio and be like until you do right by me Oh, you're gonna be cursed yeah, yeah, and i was yeah. like are you fucking kidding me it's like of course i remember that she said that 20 minutes ago like <laughs> that's true. so annoying yeah. um yeah. i i i'm gonna give it to coleman domingo as well i think he did a great job mm-hmm. which then leaves us to Sealy. okay so this is the only one where i'm gonna give to the original film be- and this and i actually did like fantasia in this film a lot i do agree with you where she does get lost to the other characters but i think that's fitting for her character who's supposed to be meek and literally like almost like oh like just there unless not don't speak unless spoken to kind of character Does that makes sense why this would happen to her character but oh uh oprah uh but uh uh but whoopi just like straight up just killed it in this film i mean during that uh so if you're comparing if i'm going to compare both performances i'm going to just use like the dinner sequence where i felt oprah's rage mm. fantasia whoopi's rage i'm sorry yeah whoop whoopi's rage where fantasia i think held back a little bit no absolutely that's a that's a good one to compare it to um and i <clears throat> from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie the i felt the passage of time on that character, let's say that. Mm-hmm. And I felt like she was able to embody all these stages of Celia's life. And I, yeah, I think she gave a transformative performance. <coughs> I really yeah, think there's actually... no question. Yeah. And that's something I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think I had trouble keeping up with like the passage of time. Yeah. In, this, yeah. in, the, in the musical, it was like difficult because at a certain point, let's be very real here. Uh, Mister's father would be dead. Some people should have been yeah. dead. Like, yeah, the pastor. Some people were like living. Yeah, they. Yeah, the pastor's sidekick fifteen years ago looked the exact same in the opening number, and here and, she is aging not and, a day. And we all hear and witness that black don't crack, but there were some people that were just ageless. Like they just put like, Straight all right, we're gonna ageless. give you a little, a little bit of gray on the sides. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. What? Seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But two really, really great renditions of this property, The Color Purple, and both worth watching. Yeah, two um, really different ones. And it's so funny. When we came into this, it's just like, this is interesting. How do you make The Color Purple into a musical? Well, so they did it. gospel music, and that's yeah. the smartest choice to go about it. Is a music Seriously. memorable? Not in my opinion. But 
No, I'm I don't not think a musical so fan. <laughs> right? As a musical fan, I'm, I didn't find it to be, but it was. It's still worth uh, a gander, and that's what we think. But what do you think? You should let us know what you think. You can email us at remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals. Hit us up on Twitter at remakespodcast. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. And if you enjoy this podcast, go to your podcasting platform, click on our name, and give us a rating. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review that we might read over the air. We haven't done that in a long time because we're not getting too many reviews, but it's okay. Uh, Hopefully you will be the one that we will get. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) So, like we said uh, in our last episode, but we're going to be doing every two weeks, which means that two weeks from now, you'll be hearing our episode on another musical. (laughs) This one being Mean Girls. So, this should be exciting. Yeah. Two musicals in a row. Oh, I'm scared. I'm scared. The fashion in the new Mean Girls looks so cheap. It's giving Sheen. Sheen. (laughs) It's trying to make Sheen happen. That's wow. I mean, I can't wait for us to talk about it. I'm really actually intrigued by this movie. So tune in for next in two weeks. But until next time, stay Stay unoriginal. unoriginal.